0: Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at antiochraleigh.com. Is everybody doing good this morning? Wow. You know, I was thinking about that song as, uh, I was thinking about how comfortable I am with that, the, the words of that last song we sang. And I can't, I'm terrible at words, so, but here's the general gist. Lord, I just want to lean against your heart, and I just want to hear your heart. Um, I probably, about 35 years ago, would have felt totally uncomfortable with that concept. And I don't have any doubt, there's some people here that don't feel terribly comfortable with that idea. But you'll get over it. You will get over it because that was where John was and that's where we all need to want to be. If you don't, if you can't get there right now, you just say, Lord, yes, I, I want to get there. Okay. Is that all right? I just felt that exhortation for some, particularly some of you men that, and, and maybe some of you gals that are not particularly comfortable with emotive Christianity. Um, Would somebody pop up their five spheres of church graphic? Okay, we've we've been talking about this. We've been talking about the church. And we use some metaphorical language that talks about the five spheres of church. We see each one of these types of church kind of demonstrated and modeled in the New Testament. And I have the privilege of, of starting and opening up the whole concept of what we call a life group, it's the very middle of the five spheres, and it's what we call life group, the New Testament primarily called the house, the church in the home, or the house church and um, this morning, I just want to talk about the church comes home about uh, thirty years ago, I was uh, had a mandatory uh, an elective, so it was mandatory that I have the elective. It didn't tell me which elective to take when I was in graduate school and seminary, and it was a course that was the only one available called missiology, and I really wanted a course in exegesis and hermeneutics and new te- you know theology. I wanted all that stuff, but I didn't get it. I got missiology, and I was quite disappointed. And frankly. Thought it would be a boring course. And of course, you know how that works out. You know, it's the course that changed my life. And it was, (laughs) in some respects, the only course the Lord really wanted me to take. But uh, uh, it did undo me. And part of what undid me is I discovered something that was going on in the world that was so transformative, so dynamic. So stunning as I heard it, I was just riveted. I could not get it out of my heart. It was as if God had taken a burning coal and put it inside my heart. And I began to discover this thing called the Chinese house church movement. And you go, and some of you I'm sure have heard of it, but there may be a few who have not. So I'm just going to just give you just an inkling of what happened in 1948. Mao Zedong became the emperor of the Communist Party in China. They took over. Communism ran through all of China. China had been basically a feudal system with warlords uh, ruling all over that great continent, and he was able to get the power as a warlord, and communism was a convenient uh, philosophy for him to oppress and control the people. And of course, part of communism's main objective was to eradicate belief in God of any form. And the church, which was not a very big church, Hudson Taylor and several missionaries had gone into China. There was uh, Ruth Bell Graham uh, was, was raised in China as, as Presbyterian missionaries who ended up marrying Billy Graham, of course. But but this this church was very. Young and immature and, and white missionaries, mostly white, from Europe and North America and Canada and New Zealand and Australia had gone there to preach the gospel. And the church was really pretty pathetic. And then in 1948 happens and persecution spreads. And there are all the uh, missionaries from those nations were driven out my father, who was in the United States Navy before World War II, was literally part of um, the uh, migration of missionaries. He was rescuing missionaries out of Ch- deep into the heart of China because the, even though 1948 is the official year, it started in the 1930s. And that's when he was uh, 1,500 miles up on the Yangtze River rescuing European missionaries, American missionaries. And, uh, you know, there were missionaries being killed. And I know that part of what's what happened w- with me was that My father had made an investment. And he always had this compassion for the Chinese people. And so as I heard about this phenomena, what was so mysterious is no one knew who the leadership was. No one knew who the key personalities of this Chinese house church movement were. And in fact, it seemed like every time anyone would get to be well-known, they would get killed. But today, the government itself in China, the government that hates it, says there's about 180 million Chinese house church Christians. Okay? That's their number. So do you think their number is high or low? I think it's real low. In fact, most missiologists today think that there's about 300 million followers of Jesus in house churches in China right now. They have no power. They have no authority. But guess what's happening? You know, everybody, we all talk about, hey, what's happening? Aren't you worried about what's happening in China? And I'm going, no, I'm excited about what's happening in China. China is being taken over by a kingdom that will never end. And it's being done through the lowly, the weak, the the non-influential. And we worry about their battleships. They need to worry about the invasion. You see, we live in a kingdom that will not see his government ever cease to increase it's increasing now it's increasing here in the United States it doesn't mean we don't keep our prophetic edge when it comes to declaring what's happening but I I just tell you that house church movement grabbed my heart and I said you mean they can't build they can't meet like we are right here do you know they couldn't? They they literally learn how to worship like this. Hallelujah, Lord, we bless you. Lord, we lift up your name. Because if they got heard by their neighbors, they would get reported, thrown in jail. And of course, I met Brother Yoon, who is a book that every person in this room should read. Only caution is you may want to get baptized again. You'll be so convicted about your compromise. Uh, But Brother Yoon, down, I think his weight got down to 88 pounds in prison. Uh, His son, Isaac, who I spent a whole lot, several hours and hours with, said I was with my dad when he came out of prison. He said his spine and his, what's this, the sternum doctor's? Yeah, his spine and his sternum were only about that far. He was so he looked like a cadaver. Uh, I got a picture. I wish I'd put it up of Brother Yoon and I together. He doesn't look that way anymore. He's about as stout as I am. Well, maybe not quite. But uh, the the thing that that I I was captivated by is how this. Chinese house church movement could be so much more successful than our mega churches, which are just keep, seem to be increasing, increasing. And that began an experiment. The Lord led Brenda and me to begin. To, the Lord said, "I want you to do a laboratory experiment." We did this about twenty, started about twenty five years ago, and so for the last twenty five years, Brenda and I involved in a life group house church every week that we've been in this town, we've been involved in that for 25 years. And what we discovered was what I would say is the essential essence of what gathered Christianity, known as church, at least the, the bare minimum standard is, and that is the life group of the house church. I'm going to give you a definition of the church. This is a good reformed theological post-reformation definition of church. I've tweaked it slightly with more contemporary terms, but here's what they say and I agree with it. The church is the assembly where the gospel is faithfully preached, the sacraments are rightly observed, and faithful discipleship is carried out. And can I I have I have another there, there's kind of been a, uh, I'd say post COVID, post deconstruction, whatever you want to. You know, the deconstruction movement in the church and evangelicalism, any of you heard about that? Uh, I mean, if you haven't. Let me just tell you what it is it's just a retread, it's a retread of an old theology uh, called unbelief. It's an ancient theology. It goes something like this: "Hath God said?" Started since the very time the serpent opened his mouth. He's still saying it. He uses the same rule book. He kind of changes some of the characters and some of the issues, but the bottom line is he's always accusing God and he wants everybody. And so, deconstruction, reconstruction, liberalism, un- just just unbelief, and it's. It's the same old, same old. Okay, folks? There's nothing new under the sun. Let's not get too up in arms about it. Just call it what it is. It's heresy. And now that heresy wants us to somehow believe that we're cruel and haters if we define sexuality the way God does. And uh, that if we call sin, sin. And we call murder, murder. And we do these kind of things. I just found out today uh, this in our prayer meeting that there's a Francisco company that one of our people works for that says you can't use the word grandfather. You know, he was grandfathered in. That's a legal term that lawyers have used for generations. We can't use that term anymore because it's patriarchal. I'm going, wow. We're So I can't speak because I can't use terminology. I can't use, uh, gu- I can't say, hey guys, hey guys, you know why? Uh, maybe that's patriarchal too. I thought it didn't matter what your sexuality was, but now you're wanting me to define it. I mean, you know, it's real confusing out there. You really have to have a new rule book, it's the new Ten Commandments of the world. And, and, and the, the bottom line is it's just foolishness, but it's got us running around like a, a chicken with our heads cut off. Now, if you've never seen that, I'm a farm boy. That is a sight to behold. That is what the world feels like right now. The church is primarily a local community of the Messiah. And guess what he said? I will build my church. Now, that metaphor is one I really, you know, I like that builder metaphor. It it really appeals to me. The church is a building. The church is living stones. The church has structure to it. But by the way, in the mind of anybody in the early church, when they thought about structure, they weren't talking about this one. They were talking about the organization. Every organism has organization. But an organism isn't primarily an organization. It is life, and it changes, and it adapts. And that's one of the reasons we see in the New Testament all these various forms of Christianity called church. But this one, interestingly enough, it's right smack dab in the middle of me and Jesus and the church in the world. We're smart, right? The the house church or the church in the home is actually the one that we see very explicitly declared and shown in the scripture. So we're going to look at that. The church in the home is where people become a people, living free from the domain of darkness. Let me read you a couple of scriptures. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. the early church had the idea that was the fulfillment, really, of God's plan for Abraham. That not only would Abraham, after the dispersion of the Tower of Babel, there were, God scattered all the peoples of the earth. He, he confused their language. He scattered them to the nations. And he turned them over to the gods they kept wanting to follow. But then he picked out one man, and I do believe that one man was one man who still believed in the one true God. And he called him by name, and he said, come out, and I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth to you. I'm going to make a people out of all the nations. And that is what you are, look around. Just look around. Now nudge your neighbor and say, "You, you and me are that people. We are that people. So, as I said, meeting in homes is God's essential baseline expression of the church community. You know where the word community comes from. It's common unity. Community. We have a common unity. And what is the common unity? Is it exactly what we always agree about everything about the Lord's Supper? No. I guarantee you people in this room disagree on some of the elements of the of. Of the some of you may not want to call it a sacrament, you may want to call it an ordinance. The the confusion may start just right there. You go, is there more? Oh yes, there's a whole bunch of it. How about baptism? Have you ever met a really incredible strong biblical Christian who was baptized in an infant and never got immersed in water? And we really do believe in baptizing people in water as believers. Do you ever have the impulse to want to correct their theology even though they walk with Jesus better than you do? You see, part of what the Lord loves to do is he likes to go, "Oh, you precious little kids, let me just mess your hair." <laughs> you are so sweet and dumb, but I love you anyway. You aren't but just see half of what you need to see. That's why he says, "Clothe yourselves in humility." All right. Oh, when we meet, there's real meat. How do you like that? I thought that was cute. When you meet, you eat. I, this is about functional, you know, Get a miniature pulpit and one person goes and talks all the time in a life group. That's not what it's about. It's about life on life. And last week, Chris talked about D-groups. And for a lot of us in our really busy lives, sometimes those D-groups or the discipleship, two or three gathered in my name, we just shorten and call it D-group. The Methodists, they, they called them uh, band meetings. Um, they actually borrowed that from the Moravians. If you've heard of a Moravian, every ever cookies, that's who I'm talking about. And the 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 whole essence of what they were doing was they were breaking up in groups of two or three or four, but they would break out of groups of ten, fifteen, or twenty, which would be a, a house gathering. And so we do that too. Sometimes we just we just have guys break up with guys. There's more than break up in groups of three or four and together, and the same thing with the gals. the The whole point is we're 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 wanting to make sure that we're being fully the church in its in its midst. But the house church, let me just tell you, if if it became illegal for us to meet, which in a way we've kind of had a little trial run of that, right? And that's because we misunderstand what the church is. I mean, we think, and and, you know, let's face it, you're all sitting there, and some of you have got little cards in your hands. The reason I know this is I, I do this. It's an invisible card, and it's like the judges at the Olympics, and you kind of raise your hand and go, well, he's about a six right now. And some of you go, no, that's about a 10. That really spoke to me. In other words, you're spectators. And this is it, why we constantly are saying here, everything I'm saying to you today, by the way, you will forget 95% of it by Sunday of next week. I, <laughs> I mean, The reason I know that is because that's what scientists tell us. This this form of the church has its purpose, and we're going to talk about it. Whoever preaches on this next week, I'm gonna I'm gonna insert a little bit here. It's that this isn't important, it's just not sufficient. Okay. My appeal to you today is there's greater sufficiency in a house church or life group than there is this on Sunday morning, which really messes up a lot of us because we've been raised culturally in Christianity that this is this is it. This is the big one. And a lot of us, we've been raised as Americans, and we have this very uh, inbred but mostly unbiblical streak of independence We don't see much of a need for that. And more importantly, we find it highly uncomfortable. Um, I I remember when I was, uh, when first started doing a bunch of this, I was in a really big mega church here in the Triangle, and um, I, I kept encountering people that would say things like, I really hate fellowshipping with the back of someone's neck. Have you ever heard that phrase? You know... Look at the person in front of you. If they don't have long hair, all you can see is the back of their neck. And you know what I found out? When people started doing life on life in house churches, they began to have this bubble go off in their head. Oh, you know, the back of somebody's neck's not so bad after all. <laughs> you know, this is getting too real. My, my stuff is getting exposed. I don't really want to be that well-known. Look, most of us have been trained, and, and I've only got five minutes left. Has that ever bothered me? No, I'm sorry. I promise, <laughs> Nikki, I repent. I re- No. No. Uh, Most of us, uh, and COVID really exposed this. Um, In fact, the government officials would say, well, we've closed down basketball games, sporting events, and churches. As if we're all the same thing, which in a way, they have a legitimate... In other words, it's a gigantic spectator sport. And you know what? A lot of churches were like, yeah, yeah. And we're like, no, we we have to. So, you know, we just said, well, just meet in the houses. We don't have to meet here, but we do need to meet in houses. And so we kept our our life groups going. And people would, they felt kind of guilty and surreptitious. And, you know, trial run. Wait until they really don't want you to meet. All right. The church is a home. The church in a home. This is point number two. The church in a home is where what gets taught is what gets called. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Acts 5.42 You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Here's the deal. Authenticity is really hard to avoid in a house church. And you know, we really love to avoid authenticity. I mean, it's a big word these days. And most of us use it when it really makes us look good. I'll let you think about that one. The simple, it's also simple reality. It's not a reality show, real lives, real people, real modeling, real demonstration. It's not where a few people are performing before an audience, but where a family has a dad who takes out the trash. Um, Because we have this kind of commercial consumer approach to so much of our Christianity, and we have our little signs that are just performance or scorecard, we forget the Lord's the one that judges us and how... You know the 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 model has been so warped from the early ways of the church, but it's a lot like uh, this illustration I think might help you understand. When I go to uh, one of my favorite restaurants, I go and I sit down and i uh, let's say it's a steak restaurant i don't when a guy walks by, I don't immediately say, hey, buddy, I just want you to know, I am pretty good at steaks on the grill. I'm, you know, if you need me to go back, I, I'll, I'll help you out in the kitchen. He'd look at me and go, and furthermore, when I sit there, I'm expecting him to come back with a glass of water and ask me, um, how's my day? And what, what can we do for you today? Would you like um, here's some menus, and here's today's specials, and uh, I'll be back in a minute with the bread. I kind of expect that, right? And if he does a really lousy job at that, I don't. My, my tendency is not to want to tip him as much, right? Try that with your mom. Or your wife, or yourself, for that matter. I mean, the question might be: Is your leg broke? I mean, this is the this is what we've kind of turned church into. But church is where you are part of a family. You're not a consumer. You're a participant. This is the church, point number three. The church is a home where everyone contributes. And what shall we say then, brothers and sisters? This is 1 Corinthians 4.26. We used to say this is the bulletin board for the house church. You know the old-timey bulletin board, uh, bulletin paper bulletins that we used to pan that, hand out. I can't even say it anymore. Um, we don't do that here. There's a reason we don't. I'm giving you the theology behind it. What shall we say then, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each one of you has a hymn, a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be up. Paul said to the Romans in Romans chapter 1, He said, I want, I long to get to see you. Now you've got to understand, John. The church at Rome had already been planted. Paul did not plant that church. It's not his church. He'd never been there. He was saying, I want to get there. The greatest theological letter that's ever been written was written to a group of people. He wasn't the apostle to or the pastor to. And here's what he said. He said, I long... He, he wrote this great letter. He was get, he was beginning stages of it. Chapter 1. It is the arguably the greatest... A theological letter in all of christianity and he, you know what he said he said I, i'm going to write this long letter that's really good and amazing and everybody all theologians are going to think it's really amazing and it is amazing but i want to be there with you so i can impart to you a spiritual gift and it's been my intention many times you understand that I've been prevented from coming to you and you know so many of us it takes almost nothing for us not to join with god's people there's, there's no, almost no interruption that we won't use as excuse while we can't be with God's people. And I'm talking Sunday morning or life group or any. I'm really busy. Well, what kingdom are you a part of? The busy kingdom or the kingdom that's forever? As we like to say in the Jellicorse household, this is an internship. I've got 10 billion years that I'm preparing for. I want to prepare every day as if I am going to live forever, upon ever, upon ever. Okay? So church, the gathering of God's people, the assembly, that's really what it means. It's just, it's a term. By the way, it was not a religious term when Jesus used it. It was a political term about an assembly of uh, people trying to make governmental decisions. That's really ecclesia, that's what it meant. <clears throat> All right. The church is a home, in the home is holistic, not elitist. It's not just where we go to worship God. How many of you say, well, we we'll go to worship God? No, it's not there's almost no place where that's that's implied. Uh, when it when the church is gathered, remember what Jesus said. The two greatest commandments were: there was the love God commandment. A lot of us have the love God commandment. We use it as an excuse instead of a real confrontation. And and then the Lord does this this. So you got this uh, horizontal I love God deal. But he goes, but if you don't love your husband or your wife or your kids or your neighbor or your enemy, then you don't love the Father. And th- this, is where, this is where you get to, to love dysfunctionality in all your brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influ- influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. I think a lot of times a lot of us read that, we're going, yeah, he's pretty foolish. We're, We're thinking about somebody else. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore it is written, Let him who boasts boast in this, that he knows and he understands the ways of God. I'm I'm actually quoting the Old Testament text that Paul truncates there. Let him who knows... Anything about boasting knows this, that he knows the ways of God, and God chooses to put me with people that I do not necessarily like to be with. Because he's wanting to perform a miracle in your heart. Amen. He's wanting to change you. The world is sick of, of I mean, we I've actually heard this, I you know, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna end with this story. I remember one day there was this, uh, this guy. Uh, some of you know this, so I'm, I'm going to be real careful here. Uh, but let's just say this particular person was highly dysfunctional. Highly dysfunctional. I'm just going to leave it at that. He was a mess, an unmitigated mess, but he loved Jesus and he really wanted to love other people. But he freaked most everybody out that he came in contact with. And I remember praying one day, and I was like, and and it was, oh, by the way, this was like the third person like that that was coming to our house church. And I was like, Lord, I just don't, I, I, I need some relief here. This is more burden than I can carry. Lord, would you, Lord, what, can you send them somewhere else, you know? I mean, you know, I, I mean, I was, I was having one of those whiny, whiny prayers, you know. And, you know, the Lord broke my heart. He said, he said you know, the reason I'm sending them here, there is they are my weak sheep, and I need a shepherd that won't hurt them. And I was being hurtful right in front of the Lord, too. And so, you know, well, you know, that church isn't cool enough for me. None of the cool people go there. You know, the right race or the right this or the right that. See, I said I'm I'm not making a people that all look like uh, engineers from NC State, even though we got a lot of those. We might have a few artist types. We might have a few... Uh, leftist types. We might have a few right wing types. We might have a few uh, different racial combinations. And the Lord goes, No, that's the criteria that mounts anything to me. It's unimportant to me. It doesn't, I don't even notice it. The question is, do you love well? I'm making you a people. You don't get to be a people looking at one person. You get to be a people circled around. Saying, what is this? How, how do we live with this scripture? How how do I demonstrate my gifts of the you know, one of the reasons we don't, you know, have prophecy and tongues and interpretation, and we have maybe a teaching and a revelation and worship in a meeting like this is because it'd be impossible to get all that done. This is why we do it in the, the house church. By the way. And this is important to know. There were no meeting places for the church for the 350 years that was as big as this one. Not a single one. I wonder how it got so healthy. The church comes home. If you haven't joined a life group or a, a church meeting in your home or someone else's, I'm just going to advocate that you do it, whether you like it or not. It's kind of like exercise. Just join the gym and go sign up. Okay? Just do it. And if you have to, spend extra money for someone to torture you. <laughs> Call a coach. I, I love it. I mean, I just love it. It's kind of like the world knows how to do it. Sons of this age are often wiser than the sons of the kingdom. I, I can just tell you, there's been many a Wednesday night. It's about 4.30, and I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of in that semi-comatose state that you get into when you're past the age of 60 at 4.30 in the afternoon. And uh, you're sitting there, and you go, Man, I'm glad today's over. Oh, no, we've got a life group tonight. <laughs> what lie could I come up with? Because it would be a lie. And, you know, it's like, no. You're worth it, Jesus. I, I want to love you by loving your people. I'm, I'm, and everybody in my life group says, you really feel that way about us? Sure. No, I don't. I just every once in a while. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's, let's all stand. Um, I do, I do want to, I heard this this morning and I just want to, I really want to give us a challenge because the Holy Spirit, I felt like this morning said, I kept hearing this phrase, cannot be my disciple, cannot be my disciple, cannot be my disciple. And I was like, yeah, there's that verse. And the Lord was emphasizing, "I, I I need people to understand something. There is a requirement to be a disciple of Jesus. And so I did what all smart theologians do. I looked at Google and said "What it, where where it cannot be my disciple was in the New Testament. It's only in three places. And they're all in the same chapter in Luke. Let me just read it to you. And I'm doing this for anybody that is in a place where you may not know the Lord or you would like to follow Jesus but you're not really of what it It's going to cost you to follow Jesus. And here's what Jesus said. If anyone comes after me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Then later on, the next verse, he says, Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And then a little later, he says, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciple. Those are three, cannot be. And I, you know what? It was so interesting. I kept hearing, cannot be a disciple, cannot be a disciple, cannot be a disciple. Uh, I wish I could tell you all three right there. I didn't. I had to go look it up. But I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit. There, there, there's, here, how much, what do I have to do to follow Jesus? die to every plan ambition even the culture family you have to deny it to follow jesus jesus must be everything that's my sales pitch to you come and die to follow jesus he's absolutely worth it but you won't find out until you do that so with that said let's let's begin to close this meeting up and if you really would like to give your heart to jesus or if you would like to give up that thing you're having holding in terms some terms of idolatry then i'd like to invite you this morning also if you need healing or prayer for a really urgent problem you're dealing with please come forward we believe in the power of the living god to intervene on our behalf amen god bless you